Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As we think about the joy, think of this. Please go. fun looking out and seeing all of you. You were really getting into that music. Okay. I guess I'll have to turn around more often when we're singing the hymns and see if that's the same kind of thing with y'all. Maybe, maybe not. We'll have to see. So I give that to you because what we have in our gospel lesson for today from Matthew chapter 2 is just a beautiful passage. And again, this is an, is an epiphany lesson. Okay, so we have the season of Advent preparing for the coming. And then we have the Christmas season and those 12 days of Christmas from December 25 through January 6. And then we get to January 6, and that's Epiphany, and we celebrate the Gentile Christmas. But listen again to what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. A little bit later it says this. When they saw the star, they, the Magi, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then they went to the house and saw the the new king and rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Herod, the king, sees or hears about, doesn't see, hears about this new king in town, and he is threatened, and he is upset, and all of Jerusalem is that with him, because he's a raving madman, and is insecure, and is worried about losing his kingship. And the Magi come and they are overwhelmed with joy as their Savior has come into the world. And they rejoice with exceedingly great joy. So I want to ask, do you take the position of Herod where you're distracted from joy? Because, oh no, there's a new king in town and I don't want any rivals. Or are we more like the Magi that as we think of this, can you even imagine, can you even picture a time in your life when you were exceedingly joyful with great joy? It's almost like you can't put enough superlatives on it. This is just better than anything ever. This is better than me having 12 plates of food without any kind of consequence for it. This is better than six plates of death by chocolate. 
This is better than anything else you could possibly imagine in your life. And all they're seeing is the little baby. When we think of things of the faith, do they create within us exceedingly great joy? See, the issue with if I were the king of the world, this is what I'd do, right? And, you know, I, was, I, was, I got a new phone, okay? And so as I went in and I was waiting for things to kind of transfer over, sitting in the cricket store, and as I was sitting in the cricket store, there's this man, he walked in. It was an older man who walked in, and he walked, he wasn't quite so healthy or good, he walked in, and you could tell as soon as he walked in, the whole atmosphere of the little store kind of was the Linus thing. Is it Linus? Who's the one? Pigpen. He walks around, and there's always a dark cloud over him. Okay? This guy walked in. I was like, oh, no. Okay? So I kind of put my head down, because you know how much I like confrontation. So I'm, I'm putting my head down. Okay? And he, for the next 10 or 15 minutes, made the lady who was working there, who was serving me, made her life as miserable as he possibly could. I have this on auto pay. Why is it doing this? Yeah, I made a little change, but no. And then when he asked a question, he wouldn't give him any time to to actually respond. It's like, no. And then he would yell at her and he would do all these things and just be overly demonstrative of how mad he was and how lousy this cricket store is and how bad things are. And he stormed out. And I was like, wow. And so when she came back around, I I said, I'm just really impressed how well you handled that because she handled it so well. And then not too long after that, when I was thinking about, man, what kind of a jerk was that? That thought went through my brain. And as as soon as that thought hit my brain, I thought, oh, that was me four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, I'm having my car inspected over at the Hackney Auto. In order to do that, you have to have your insurance card. And, of course, because I'm such a great guy with my paperwork, I didn't have that. So I called up my insurance, and they didn't answer the phone. And so then I called the, the big, the nationwide number, you know, and said, well, I just, I'll do it that way. And, and, of course, they said, oh, you don't have a policy with us anymore. And I was like, yes, I do. Okay, so I called them back, and I read her the riot act, and she was supposed to get that done earlier because it was an error on their side. They had totally blown it, and... And you know, I had a flashback. I was the old guy that couldn't walk very well. And I treated the lady at Nationwide exactly the way he treated the lady at Cricket. If I were the king of the world, I'd let you have both barrels when you don't do what I want you to do in my time. Because I'm king, right? You know what happens? I can't help but think about the end of the book of Judges. And check me on this. If you look at the end of the book of Judges, it says, and there was no king in Israel, and so everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Like slamming people when they don't do what we want them to. Does that make sense to you? Do you ever get caught up in that? Do you ever treat people rudely over the phone? Okay, Because I found this little Bible passage. Maybe you'll also find it somewhat convicting. It's found in James chapter 3. Listen to what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. 
We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We come and we sing these beautiful songs, and before we get home, I wonder how many times our tongue has been used to curse someone made in God's image. It can be very cutting. It reminds me at the end of the book, I was at the nursing home and sharing this message with the people at South Park Meadows, and and as I was there, I just said, I'm going to share a story from the Bible that a number of you won't even believe is in the Bible. And I told the story about that man who went back to where his concubine was because she wasn't, it's like a mistress, a second wife, okay? And so she leaves him, the priest, and goes back to her father's home and he goes back after her. And after a while, he finally gets her to come with him. And they don't want to stay in any other foreigner's town, so they stay in a town where the Benjaminites live, the people of God. And while they're there, the Benjaminites come and they knock on the guy's house that kept them, kept he and his concubine, and said, send the man out because we want to have sex with him. And so they won't send the man out, but they send the concubine out. And they, if I can just say it this way, they misuse her all night long. And when they get up first thing in the morning, she's dead on the threshold. Then the priest cuts her in 12 pieces and sends her to all the tribes of Israel. And they look at the injustice and they come and they slaughter the Benjamites, leaving either 400 or 600, I think it's 600, men alive out of the whole tribe. Those are God's people without a king. What are you and I capable of as we cut others with our tongues, with our brains, when they get in the way of our kingship? Does that make sense to us? Is your pastor the only one that deals with anger? You ever use your words to praise God and are the same mouth within the same hour you're condemning other people? I'm distracted from my joy because you're in my way instead of being actually filled with joy because even here, who can I build up? How can I actually live into this great joy? How can I live in this joy? Well, first I have to not try harder to not be angry like that because that never works. Have you noticed that? Me trying harder not to be angry just doesn't work. I tried to be nice a couple of nights ago and take my dogs out for a walk. One was pulling me, the other was dragging me. So the other one being smaller, I just yanked him off the ground to catch up with me twice because I'm such a nice guy. 
which isn't the best thing to do for your dog, to yank them off the ground by their neck. Because hmm. it's got to work out my way, right? You, of course, don't do that to your dogs. But I wonder how many of us do that to other people. So how do we actually get to be filled with joy? And it is a beautiful way. When we abandon the fantasy that we are kings. And we start to look at the king who came. Because when you look at the king who came, in Mark chapter 10 it says this, He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians chapter 2 says that he came and he humbled himself King Almighty, God Almighty, humbles himself to become a little child and to go all the way in his humility to serve us by dying on a cross for us. If you want to know why he did that, Romans chapter 8, this is such a beautiful thing. I'd love it if you would go through this again and again. Listen to what Romans 8 says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you and me, because Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, what the law, what guidance for us is powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, we're like sheep, we just keep straying, we don't do it. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, Jesus taking on flesh, to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's a little girl right there. Her name is Gabby. Do you ever watch Gabby when she lights the candles? She, like, skips up the stairs. And she, like, lilts down the stairs. That action reminds me of joy. I'm just so joyful to be here in the presence of God. If all we could do that, be like Gabby, jumping up and jumping down, rejoicing in what we have in Jesus. He's fulfilled it all for us so we don't have to keep living, trying hard enough to be good enough or to control our world. What will happen tomorrow probably won't be according to your plan. Is that okay? Is there a king who rules over all things and is using all of that for your good and mine? Can we trust him and live this moment with joy? Or will I have to let my anger out and be a good Herod to control everything around me and put everyone else in fear because it needs to go my way today and always? And I'm ashamed to say I've lived way too many days that way. But you know, the joy then is that as I listen to this one, as I live this way, you know what he says to us in 2 Corinthians 5? If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. That's what you are. And it also says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what you are. The very righteousness of God. Isn't it awesome what he, our king, has done? 
so that we might be filled tonight and every single day with an exceedingly, overwhelmingly great joy as we bow the knee to the King. That makes us filled with joy. Amen?